Hello there, nerds, and welcome to Go to Their 30 Rock Podcast, a weekly chronological journey through 30 Rock where you get the jokes, the references, the highs, the lows, and all of the blurgs that come with one of the best shows of the 21st century. As always, I'm your host, Curtis Stone, and joining me is... David Amon. And welcome to episode 60, season 4, episode 2, Into the Crevasse, originally airing October 22nd, 2009. David, if you would, please give a quick summary slash synopsis of this episode. Liz's Deal Breaker book is out and everyone's mad about it because their wives are reading it. So much so that Tracy leaves his home and moves in with Liz. Also, Jack goes to Washington to meet with the new small committee of affairs of microwave, yada, 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 etc. And has surprise, finds a surprise committee leader. What is the... Do we get a name of what that group is? It is a small... Well, get to it. It's small committee and microwaves and something other. Okay. Such a throwaway line. I feel like it's not memorable at all. I feel like it should have been a joke, and maybe it is a joke, but... Yeah. Is there a third? Well, there's this... Oh, oh, right. Yes. And finally, Jenna gets a role as a moon scientist and goes to Iceland to shoot in the minimal amount of... Nighttime they have that, that time of year. Yeah, I wish we could all be moonologists, but it's only a select breed of actors and people that can can uh, make that leap. Um, so, having watched this episode, there's bits of this that I think sh- should have made this the season premiere, just because it's continuing. Like the cold open is continuing right into the whole deal breaker. She's written a book. Uh, and most of Liz's story is based around the reaction from that book being released and it's the the small little subplot of it it's seemingly based on Tracy's life things like that like it just seems like this would have been a better setup for a season premiere instead of last week's episode which had none of that none of those elements or anything but, I genuinely don't remember anything that happened in the last episode <laughs> already I mean if you told me I'm sure it would jog my memory what was the uh season four premiere where they have to hire a new cast member and there's the page strike like page strike yes right. i remember now so again which was cribbing off the writer strike from a couple years ago yes. blah, blah, blah. Gotcha. but it's just this seems more like a direct continuation versus last week's episode not that big of a deal but it just seems like this should have been the premiere episode but oh well i can move it but there's moments there's a ton of moments in this that have stuck with me uh there's the infamous um it's all the the line at the end lemonade it's wednesday lemonade yeah it's infamous that's become a meme now um there's the i'm gonna shoot you in the face with a bazooka that's just a constant thing that runs through my head all the time and also kenneth makes another very brief cameo implying that he's been around for a long time we could continue that storyline and of course devin banks is back so we get to see more will arnett um any other thoughts? Just like taking in this episode after, I guess, 10 years of it airing, how did it resonate with you? Or you're just like, eh, it's all right. Or thoughts? Too? I have to be honest. There's a scene that takes place in a in a, a animal shelter. And my first thought was, oh, my God, most of those dogs are probably dead now. Happy Saturday. <laughs> you can cut that. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, that literally no, was. The first time I was like, wait a second, this episode was oh, no, it was 10 years ago, 11 years ago, most of those dogs were probably dead. Um, probably. Right. So, overall, I think it's a decent episode. There are a lot of good line-to-line jokes. The whole 
dear my, my wife slash girlfriend whatever is red deal breaker gets like a, it, it, yeah. it some of it's funny some of it veers a little too close to like classic sitcom-y like stuff but um I, I do like how it ends up paying off with Tracy staying with Liz and then the, the culmination of how she has to get him to yeah. <laughs> emancipate himself from her apartment. I That's, wish that, that would have been that a really funny way to do I think do they it. could I think they could have stretched that out maybe to a couple of episodes and yeah. had more wacky antics, but it wraps up well, so it's 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 still a satisfying payoff, but I think it would have been more fun to see them living together just for and and the the more and more escalation of everything but it's still there's a lot of great moments just especially the let's talk about the elephant in the room like it's such a great subversion of that whole idea it's uh i love it so much even though it's mostly a visual joke but it's still it's so funny yeah there's one random podcast i listen to it's not important but they use that phrase all the time elephant in the room like the point where it's like almost where it doesn't make sense so like as soon as they had joking across i was like just maybe think of that and like how funny it is just to have an actual elephant. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. All right, any other thoughts before we hop in? Let's hop in. Right. So the cold open is basically going to be the continuation from Liz getting a book deal to the book is now published next to uh, Leo's uh The Cigarette Diet, which I'm sure that's a fantastic... I feel like it's probably less beneficial than a Coke diet, but... Coke as in Coke and Coke. <laughs> well, whatever works for you. Um, but yeah, just some fun, fun visual gags. But then we also uh, get her another successful interaction with a man. also point out there is in addition to leo's pachemin's book uh, milton green's book has finished i guess thanks to the kidney he was able to finally get it produced and from peanut to it's, president it's the market it's a big book because it's, it's in the front it's window display front, of, that uh, must mean it's doing very well yeah. um also councilman jam please councilman jam retail guy yeah, who john glasser, is still wearing a name tag yeah poor guy poor mike uh no john glasser plays mike the window guy doesn't get any lines but uh, he gets some punches. He gets he gets some punches in. He gets some physical physical comedy going on. But uh, yeah, Councilman Jam from Parks and Rec, and he's always been a character actor as well. I think next to Councilman Jam, his next biggest uh, role was in I think it was called Delocated. It was like an Adult Swim show where he goes into the witness protection program, and the whole bit is he and his entire family have to wear, like, ski masks. They're protecting their identity, but they're doing, like, a reality show at the same time. So it's, like, doesn't really make sense. But they all have, like, the voice changing, so they all sound, like, really deep voice, like, muffled, whatever. But it's, like, I think it ran for, like, two or three seasons. Eh, 
Must have missed that one. Yeah, it was. It was. I think around this time, um, maybe like 2010, 2011 was when that was out. It was. It was kind of. It was all right. It was an all right show, but it didn't have that much lasting appeal. But yeah. All right. So we come back from the cold open, and Jack is getting ready for his big trip up to DC, and he's got to go not in luxury. What would you call that? Casual business. I don't know what you would call that. The opposite of luxury. <laughs> Cheap, normal, <laughs> normal travel means. Specifically, the Chinatown bus, which is famously like a, a like an extremely low cost bus that runs from like I, I think it was different destinations because I know there's one from like DC, but I think they have it to well, obviously it's one of DC. That's the plot line, but yeah. I, I think there might be other like it, it, it's it's known as like a very like extremely cheap way to travel that. But I don't know if it's necessarily like a low end because you hear of like people who just wanna. I mean, I. I Obviously not that it's like nice at by any means. It's just a cheap, low frills way to get from place to place. Yeah. But I mean, I think you hear of quote unquote average middle class people doing it too, just because they don't. They're not. You know, they don't mind traveling in kind of black conditions for that cheaper price. But it is kind of funny then that right they're saying that now they have to project common man austerity so much that they're taking the Chinatown bus and wearing J.C. Penny suits instead yeah, of... Yeah, there's there's a fun couple of visual gags where Jack has a paper bag sandwich or a paper bag lunch. Uh, Jonathan's putting a little like American pin on his lapel and he has a Vatane tie and then Jonathan's putting over a J.C. Penny sticker to make them look like that we're touching, we're in touch with America and we're just as strapped for cash as everyone else, so just putting on airs um, but his confidence will eventually get the best of him uh, yes Mr. Geis of course well I'll only be in DC for the day but if I find time I'll be sure to go see Fonzie's jacket you sit on it as well <laughs> hey if you're going to DC I lost my retainer there during a junior high field trip what can I do for you Lemon well I wanted to give you a copy of my book they used your blurb Lemon numbers among my employees. This is a completely superficial detail, but I notice often in TV shows when there's a plot line that someone has a book, like a lot of times obviously they'll like mock up a cover. And I find a lot of times like those covers look like terrible, like just bad or like unrealistic. So by those standards, the one they did here actually looks pretty good. Like it looked like if, if that were an actual book cover, it, you, it could probably pull it off, which you can't say for a lot of... It's like, yeah. I guess they basically just have to throw together a prop. So they're like, you're going to Photoshop, throw something on really quickly and put it out. Yeah. But, but like, they're usually not as bad as like the really bad, like self-published like romance stuff you'll see <laughs> on like, you know, on Amazon. or yeah, so like, It's usually not that bad, yeah. but it's like still, it just doesn't look like a real book. And that always like pulls me out. Sometimes it's like, God, that would never yeah. actually be a book. Cover. Just like a poorly brushed, airbrushed, like... Uh background and then i'm thinking specifically of those like romance novels of like an airbrushed sunset or dawn and then a naked cowboy like there that's okay. that's all you need to get your readers and it's yeah like, well i mean in, but, I mean, but yeah i mean specifically i'm talking about like self-published ones i mean obviously they're like ro real romance well i'm, I'm sorry not that self-published romance <laughs> books aren't real but backed by a traditional publisher right. where they sort of may have that airbrush and cowboy thing but they, they look the money but they look for yeah they look like a professional graphic designer yeah. to the cover i'm but there are some that are like it's like the crazy fonts and yeah. clearly like photoshopped in from different things just randomly thrown into a well they're good with text nonsense. not art there's right. a difference 
I mean, fair list. enough. Yes. Like if, yeah. if, if all authors had to design their own book covers, it probably would not go well, right. but it would be amusing. Yeah. Sir, your bus to Washington leaves in half an hour. You're taking a bus? I have to. Ever since these buffoons from Detroit took private planes, the rest of us have to put on a show. And now your president, who, by the way, is Kenyan and smokes cigarettes, has created an industry task force for microwaves and small appliances. Why? Do you need to be bailed out with my tax dollars? Even if they wanted to, I wouldn't take it. It's corporate welfare, Lemon. Granted, the microwave industry isn't what it used to be, and the American love affair with the microwave oven has cooled since its post-war heyday. And she told her daddy she was doing the microwave. Did that happen? But unlike Detroit, we don't need handouts or regulation. I'm going to go down there, talk circles around these hacks, and catch the afternoon bus back to Chinatown. Now, where was the last place you remember having your retainer? I took it out to eat astronaut ice cream at the Air and Space Museum. So yeah, there's there's the bit where Kenneth is in the do the microwave, which I wouldn't put it past America to do like propaganda of music videos to sell shit. That seems like something people would do, uh, especially in the '50s and the '60s when commercials were mostly done with inside of shows. Like like uh, there were no commercial commercials as we think of them now. They were all like cutaways. Right. Like here's. Janet well, saying you should use Clorox, yeah. like things like that. That was how old commercials yeah. were. They were done inside of the show just as a cutaway as opposed to stopping the show three minutes of commercials and then coming back to the, the commercial. So I could see that as a, a plausibility. But it, the fun joke is that it's Kenneth is in there. And then Liz even asking, like, is that real? Did that really happen? Which it probably would have. Yep. So Jack's confidence is all in this new task force for microwaves and small appliances is the group that he's going to go see and he's confident he'll be in and out within the day although this and so is the the line because there's another line pete has later on but there's a line where jack is saying those those dummies in detroit because of private planes is that a slam against the auto industry because around the time yeah the auto industry because famously going pretty bad i think gm a, a, yes some of the major auto manufacturers took bailouts mm after the crisis and there was well obviously plenty of plenty of thought on all sides where some people thought that they should have just the government should just let them go out of business some said that that was they had to do that because so many jobs have been lost it would have made the economy even worse so it would yeah i mean and the, and then famously like well not famously but then people who then specifically you know, did or didn't buy from those manufacturers because they took bailouts. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, mean, you know, I wasn't just the auto industry. Obviously, there were other industries too and, and banking and stuff that were that took bailouts. But I, th- I think auto was definitely one of the most, it was just one of the most talked about in terms of culture and whatever at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So this is me totally showing my ignorance in terms of how anything works. <laughs> Uh, that's not television or video games. Um, so when the government then bails out these companies, they now have a stake in those companies. So is because I mean, it's the storyline in this of Jack not wanting the bailout is because he doesn't want to be controlled by government. Right. And that's the big idea of right. seemingly all of Republican industry is keep government out of it. Well, except well, pl- plenty of well, Republicans for, are very pro corporate welfare. Right. Well, yeah, as long as it's benefiting them financially, but. Um, 
so the reason these companies may or may not want government is because then government has stakes in these companies that can potentially right. change their rulings, good or bad, either for the workers or against the executive side. Right. I mean, the thought from I'm sure from the executive and high up side is right. If then if the government is giving you this bailout money, then they're going to have a say in what's going to happen in your company as you're paying the money back, and therefore they can basically do you know public whatever government based things that if you're a private company or if, if you well whether you're private or even if you're publicly owned and publicly traded like things that are not make decisions that are not to purely drive profit which is obviously normally the point of the business do you do things to maximize profit and if you have the government giving you money and having a say in your affairs then they may make decisions that adhere to regulation well I don't say that. I mean, you're supposed to adhere to regulation. Specifically but. now beholden to right. the government and any policies they potentially enact would have an effect on you. So, like, if if you're now a government-backed industry, and then the government's like, unions, everyone has to have a union no matter what. Well, so that corporation would have to potentially... I guess theoretically, that's... That, that would, that would that, be... That's kind of an extreme oh, scenario, saying, I think. I, I don't think the government would... I mean... Well, obviously, the auto industry has specifically already has lots of unions, but I mean, it just means that that business is beholden to government then decisions in a way that may affect their normal course of business, which is to try to make profit. Hmm. I think you can sum it up pretty much that simply. I mean, obviously, it's there's it's not in in practice things are more complicated. Right. right, right. I I mean, I think that's sort of the general. uh, Yeah. Okay. So yeah, he just basically doesn't want to be controlled, which I get. Like right. on on some level, I think I don't know. It's, yeah, I mean, I mean we get talking Ford, hours about yeah. Ford that, famously but. didn't take bailout money. That was specifically like part of their whole. Well, they they were successful despite it, and it came with talk was like, oh, look at look, Ford did great, and they didn't even take away the money. But I mean, part of it was because they didn't take the money and had a huge marketing PR campaign that was basically. We didn't take the money. So people were like, oh, yeah, yeah, they didn't take the bail money. Go America. So they bought from them. So it was kind of like a, um, what do you call it, a self-fulfilling prophecy where right. it was like they used that as a marketing plan to help which, be successful, which is not necessarily bad. I mean, for, well, again, if Ford, right, for the business, they want to make money. So, I mean, they succeeded in that. But it's just, they, I don't know. It's not, it's just not completely straightforward. It's like, you know, they kind of played on the sort of like rah rah American types. Yeah. Uh, it, it, just, it just, they fit into each other. No, of like, perfect timing. Yeah, like yeah. a perfect storm of everything. Yeah. I just, uh, the idea that you buy specifically American or non American to me is, is just a silly concept. I get it. Like, have loyalty to an extent. Like, but if like a Toyota is predominantly considered a well more manuf- a more well manufactured car longer life lifespan better quality just everything is a pu- a plus but you're strictly not buying it because it's a foreign car that to me just seems like so ignorant not like not, not necessarily because i mean it's that's not necessarily well toyota obviously has plants in america now so yeah. even even a lot of foreign based Car companies have operations in the U.S. for and then vice versa but, for Americans. But even so, I mean, I mean, in general, like it's not necessarily a bad thing to buy U.S. I mean, some people, you know, like are like buy local. I mean, if you're choosing to buy from the local farmers as opposed to doing it at a grocery store, I mean, that's not that different. You're, I mean, you're 
really at base you're still quote unquote buying American. It just isn't. It, it, well, right, it, it's it, not. It's not bad. It's I guess it's the the sternness of it is like strictly because like you're not even weighing any of the qualities. It's just strictly because. No, it's American. I only buy American. Right. It's just like, well, yeah, that right. seems a little short-sighted and a little right. stern. I think when it comes to cars, right, people can be more obnoxious about that. But at its essence, like, buy local, buy whatever is not necessarily a bad thing. But you're right that the right pe- people who can be really obnoxious about those habits. And then when you get into the, oh, if you're un-American, if you're not, blah, blah, blah. But, but, well, because, you know, I wonder then how many of those people who are like that about things like cars, like also like when it comes to clothes and other stuff exactly. are, are well, we've seen with all of the, the, uh, the, the stuff that the president's, whatever apparel yeah. that's made overseas that is, that says, you know, go America, blah, 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 blah. It's made overseas and they don't care if people buy it. So of course, you know, yeah. People be no, hypocrites. The, the hypocrisy. Yeah. It's gnarly. Anyway, uh, Well, to be fair, we're not really off topic. No, it's all... The theme of the episode. Yeah, very on theme. Um, uh, Liz heads back downstairs and starts running into trouble since Deal Breakers has reached the office. If your man collects action figures, that's a deal breaker? What? Oh, yeah. Last weekend, I picked up this girl after practicing Jedi moves in Prospect Park. Also a deal breaker. I took her back to my house on the handlebars of my As bike, snuck her inside past my mom. Wow, she that's sees more. my mid condition Hellboy figurine I... and starts quoting your dumb book. Yeah. Also, my girlfriend is mad. In Canada. <sighs> I gotta say, Liz, him, Liz Lemon being a single lady, or a single person, rather, we should diminish it to gender, but her, her being so strict about what is a deal breaker and what isn't is maybe not like it like like pete said at the finale of the third season like you don't know what you're talking about in terms of maybe the advice you're dishing out isn't as black and white as you're making it seem because like a lot of stuff that that frank's saying there some of it is kind of like uh weird but like Practicing Jedi moves in a park is no sillier to me than someone LARPing. That's that's a thing that people do. That's not silly to me. Those are all deal breakers. The, I mean, the, the sneaking inside past his mom, that to me is not a deal breaker because that just makes economic sense. Like, why would you pay a lot of money to rent out yourself when you can split the cost with someone else, even if it is your mother or significant other or, or parent or or sibling or whatever oh sharing a space with your significant other Ugh. that's a deal breaker uh, yeah well if you're I, not an open relationship i guess it is yeah uh, but he also like the he says okay so I, I will give her one and it's the riding home with him on the front of his bike because that's that seems a safety like, issue that's, yeah that's a huge safety issue because someone could get hurt but like the hellboy figurines that's not that's not. Yeah. I mean, that's not fair. Right. That's, but I mean, the, well, the, 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 right, not, but, the, the but part of the whole is, bit is that it's like the very yes. obvious, like superficial, like blah blah blah. That's a deal breaker. And I mean, right. And uh, whether it's intentional or not, like Liz, not right, not herself being that in successful still, love is yeah. kind of like. I mean, how often in real life, like, do people they're successful just because they have a good, you know, like a popular idea or a good way to exactly. pitch it whether or not they exactly. have the person no you don't have to necessarily expertise have, or experience yeah, all you need to do is talk loudest and usually yeah. people will listen to you as we've come to know from a lot of things uh, but yeah i mean obviously that's the whole joke is liz is socially inept and and romantically inept but she's just looking at things very black and white and very superficially which is totally fine and she is selling books and she's making her money but at the same time all of that advice maybe not so great 
Uh, meanwhile, uh, Jenna has some big news for Liz. Liz, I don't know if you saw The Crawl on the TV Guide channel, but I've agreed to star in a sexy supernatural thriller in the vein of Twilight and True Blood. Oh, that's good. The vampire movies are hot right now. Well, this is actually a werewolf picture that, for tax reasons, is shooting in Iceland. I play a moon scientist who's trying to get to the bottom of things and who, spoiler alert, may herself be a werewolf. We start shooting tonight. In Iceland? Tonight? Mm -hmm. You can't leave. You have rehearsal tomorrow. Oh, well, why don't you get the new cast member to cover for me? Wow. Okay. Look, I know that you're mad about Jack's decision to bring in another actor, and you want to punish me. Punish you? Please, Liz. I've just always wanted to shoot a student werewolf movie in Iceland where I'm filling in last minute for Victoria Beckham. We could sit down and talk about this like adults. Liz Lemon, you booger face. I'm going to kill you with a bazooka. <laughs> Poor Jenna. Oh, that's my uh, that's my line of the show. That's my favorite thing. I remember I think I mentioned this before, we would do a podcast and we had like a little soundboard that we would just pull sounds from everything and that was one that even in context it made no sense, but I would just like hammer on it all the time. It's just it's so absurd. Huh. How silly. <laughs> also I kind of wonder how the the, the Jenna storyline from here in the past couple seasons of Shit's Creek, one of the plot lines has been Moira gets her first role in ages and it's as basically a crow scientist in The Crows Have Eyes who's trying to get to the bottom of things and spoiler alert, she made herself be a crow who communicates. I mean, that's not exactly how it's pitched, but it's like just hearing that made me think so much of that storyline. Like, I wonder if they like took kind of inspiration from this to like do that whole thing for 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 that storyline i don't know maybe i mean yeah. 10 years apart they easily could have been inspired yeah <clears throat> by 30 rock yeah. i mean not that that concept as a piece of comedy is um in yeah a, like a super unique idea i'm sure there are other plot lines from other things it's yeah. just it's just so like I mean, apart from going to Iceland, it's like she goes somewhere to like, you know, she goes to Bosnia or something, like somewhere uh, relatively obscure in Europe to shoot it. Like the conditions are kind of, eh, it's a, it's, it's a cheap production. Yeah. Like it's a, you know, it's kind of like a, a, qu- a silly whatever. It's yeah. a cash in yeah. for the, the popular trend, which, yeah, I mean, yeah. thinking back to 2009 and how big vampires and all of that sexy, uh, what would you call those? Like, what would you call that genre? Like horror? I guess like oh, where werewolves and vampires. What would you call it? Fa- I mean, f- fantasy, fantasy and romance. Fantasy, yeah, but fantasy like, romance, but like, you're because I think because I think fantasy. I think fantasy like Game of Thrones, which is that's the new hip thing right now. That's the trend is the whole Game of Thrones, the European fantasy world of like medieval medieval fantasy. Whereas I guess yeah, vampires, werewolves. I mean, that's, that's all European fantasy, fantasy but. Yeah, I guess just more like monster. Yeah, fantasy. Well, monster. I, I think fantasy. I think the marketing designation at the time was teen paranormal romance. Ugh. <laughs> Yikes! That's a. But yeah, like the thing now, like that. That's such a hacky idea that you wouldn't do that unless it's either like an homage slash parody. To try and do it genuinely now would be like too little, too late. I think like I, I couldn't imagine it being a a well. That you would want to tap into at this point, like oh, no, you got to give it another but ten years. I have to say, at its peak, there were some real creative. I mean, it was like I remember there were like plot lines. It was like 
angels like who were who were on earth and having paired team paranormal romances and just like i mean people got really creative of how to basically ape the basic twilight thing but put a twist on it. where i mean it wasn't like they were literally plagiarizing but basically taking the core concept and yeah. spitting it out to <laughs> whatever other creatures they could now, draw in i always get them mixed up was Twilight fan fiction for Harry Potter or no? no, no. no Fifty no. Shades. Fifty of Grey Shades was Twilight fan fiction, fiction. Twi- that turned into something else. Okay, yeah. that's what I was. Basically, the names were changed. <laughs> or is that girl at the How We Made or not How We Made the the the, the, the podcast thing? How did this get made? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And she kept saying they they kept filing off the serial numbers or whatever weird phrase mm. she kept saying about Lockhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I. I, I I mean, yeah, this was peak mock Twilight, and Twilight was at its peak. And I do remember, I think the third book, well, there's four books? In Twilight? In Twilight, four or five? Uh, I think it's four. I think it's I think four, four, and I think they did the thing where like one or two of the movies may have been split. Into yeah, they did. I think this final, the final film was parts. split, so I think it was five films yeah. with four books. Okay. Um, but I remember, I think I was talking to Deb at the time, and I was like, yeah, I guess Twilight's at its peak. Is it worth reading? Because she's like, she's like, uh, I mean, do you like vampires? I was like, eh, it's all right. She's like, do you like vampires that have like glitter and sparkle? I was like, <laughs> not really. She's like, then no, yeah. I wouldn't recommend it. I remember the first time I heard about it. It was in college. It would have been probably, I guess, 07 or 08. But yeah. I used to, when I was in college, I volunteered for like a crisis hotline. And it was, it was in like the, this place, like you would, it was a room. Um, and you know, like people would come in for shifts or whatever. So as you were changing, like you would talk to people over there. And I remember it was like one one evening, like I was coming and going, I can't remember. And there were like these two girls there. And all of a sudden, like they were talking about, like they were talking about Twilight. I had never heard of it before that. And like the way they were describing it, I was like, what? And like, it was the point where it was starting to become big, but it definitely was like, the, the movies were still, I think a couple years away. Like it wasn't a big phenomenon yet. They were, I guess the early end, but it was just like, I remember them talking about it. And they were like, it's, yeah, it sounds really cheesy, but it's actually really good. And it was, and I mean, it just, I mean, and, and, I don't know, like. I mean, that's not a bad description or yeah. a review of anything. I mean, we all say so bad it's good and things, so it's not yeah. that far fetched. But um, I just, I never really have any investment in the series. The only thing that I know is how the baby is born. And I guess it's the fourth book. I don't know anything about the plot other than this is wild. I'm not even making this up. This this is literally how the baby is born in the fourth book. Uh, Spoiler alert. Spoiler spoiler alert alert for a 10 year old series. Um, They are in a car. They're going to the hospital. The car breaks down. And so he literally, he being Edward, has to literally eat the baby out of her. And that like basically give her a cesarean section or C-section to birth it. And that causes her to become a vampire. Do you think that has some sort of like Mormon connection thing? Like, is this some of the Mormon mythology? Because like, is that I, a thing in well, Mormon world? Well, no. Well, that's the thing. I don't know because well, I know that the author like was is or whatever Mormon, and the, I just remember reading things about how like there was definitely like you could tell like the influence of like Mormon culture. How would you say it on thing? So like, I wonder if that's like traces back to some sort of like religious like I don't know like myth. Maybe. Or something. That... I just remember I was listening to a podcast, Mega Sixty Four podcast, and they were doing. Not that Mormons are literally eating babies, put them out. Oh, but no, I just no, mean no, no. back to some sort of like biblical, you know, maybe, myth type thing. Maybe, maybe 
Stephanie Meyer, is that her name? Yeah. Ah, all right, I got it. Maybe she was on something that we weren't thinking about. Maybe. But I just remember listening to the Mega64 podcast, and they got to that point, and they were like, yeah, I... Uh, I was at the movies and all these people were excited to see Twilight and they were telling me about it and they told me the story about Bella eating the baby out or getting having the baby eaten out of her and I was like what and he's like he's like all right here's here's the entire story he's like I went home and I read the book and this is exactly what happens and he tells the whole thing and it was just like a pin dropping and it was just like what like everyone was like you're making this up and he's like absolutely not this is real and then it's one of the well, best podcast moments I've ever heard in my life because it is just so absurd and out there that it was like, there's no way this is real. Apparently it is. And my goodness. goodness. Anyway, enough Twilight talk. That's hacky to even joke about it anymore. But uh, Tracy has his own problems with the deal breakers. I bought my wife that dumb book of yours. And the more Angie reads it, the matter she gets at me. Well, maybe that's on you, Trey. No, it's off me. A book hasn't caused me this much trouble since Where's Waddle went to that barber pole factory. It's on you, Liz Lemon. And you will be punished. I think that Where's Waldo joke is my favorite in the episode because it's so silly, but really good, too. Did you see what that guy did? I don't think so. Oh, I so he... <laughs> it's a thing that's been circulating the internet last week or so. So he goes into a bookstore and buys a Where's Waldo. He goes home and photoshops Waldo out of every picture <gasps> and then, like, like prints it out, scan, puts it back into the book, and then takes it back and, like, sells the book back. And is like he's like sorry kids, and it's like that's the meanest, oh funniest thing you could ever do. <laughs> that's like not actually harmful to anyone, but is just like evil oh cackling gosh. in the background. Yeah. Like that's so funny. It's, it's so funny. That's awful. <laughs> ah. so Jack's confident as he walks into his. I guess this is a hearing. Um, his meeting at the task force for microwaves and small appliances. Thank you. But he gets a fun surprise. This will take 10 minutes. Let's hit the Meadowlands racetrack on the way home. Grab that a betting system based on horse penis size. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Is it true, Mr. Donaghy, that your executives routinely use company helicopters to dry their home tennis courts? Yes and no. Yes, that did happen. No, it didn't not happen. And that GE kept a party clown on retainer with a six-figure salary? When Silly Willie's fee was amortized over all birthdays, company Why? I'm being told that company money is being gambled at racetracks. Yes, but I have a system. In 2007, a GE officer used corporate funds to throw a cabaret-themed Halloween party on Fire Island? As I recall, that was you. Mr. Donaghy... I am overwhelmed by the negligence and incompetence. It is an affront to your shareholders and, frankly, to the American people. Listen, Banks. Mr. Banks, you go and tell your president the truth. We don't need the government telling us how to run our industry. I've heard enough. Why do you have a gavel? This isn't the Congress. I brought it from home. I was just going to say, like, so Jack's admitting to all of this in mm-hmm. front of these people. Did he not once think that it would somehow get out? Because, I mean, surely there's someone taking records, taking mating, like minutes on all of this. So, like, why was he so open about it? I mean, I guess it makes sense to tell the truth, but at the same time, I don't know. Well, I feel like there's committee meetings it. like that under oath. I, I don't know how task, well, as a task force, that doesn't sound like something that would be under oath. So, well, but I mean, might- but he's kind of double speaking, though, because he's like well, making yeah. excuses and like, you know, saying why. I mean, I think part of the, it is just going back to like the, the exact like things they're citing are like ridiculous and silly, but 
it's just amazing what businesses spend That's true. so much money on. So it's, I think it's just kind of making fun of that. And mm-hmm. I mean, business. I mean, obviously, yes, businesses aren't spending whatever money on clowns, but like they are. They have things like I mean, you know, they, they have events and they can throw like lavish events and which yeah, th- thing catering and stuff that yeah. rentals and stuff that really adds up. And so there's just a lot. I mean, businesses just you know corporations spend a lot. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know the fact that it. It eventually comes out that I mean, in this next scene we see uh, where Devin is like, yeah, I leaked all of it. It's like, well, that seems like short-sighted of Jack where he should have been like, of course Devin's going to try and sabotage. Because it wasn't just to Devin, but like there's 10, pe- 10, 15 people in that room that are all hearing this. Certainly the word's going to get out that they're admitting to all of this overspending and corporations paying for all of this lavish stuff. So it's like, it just seems, it seems like not the thing the character of Jack would do in terms of to protect the business he wouldn't admit to any of it he would he would sort of skirt rather than mm. being like yes no or doing the double speak he would be like well maybe you're that that's taken out of context he would he would speak in a different way rather than just outright saying yes 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 yeah. like it just seems weird for or the maybe character. well or maybe just part of it is driving the point that you know to him it's a business they can do what they want and have their say into it you know what i mean that they're not answering to the government so if they want to spend their money on whatever that's what they're doing so they're not going to you know yeah you have to take the government money yeah. maybe i don't know i guess yeah hmm. but no you're right that he right he is not doing enough to nullify it or whatever if you think if if it's a situation where the business might actually be in trouble for whatever reason yeah anyway uh so jack heads back to the office and he's in a little bit of a panic and Devin's already there to await him but there were a couple of scenes that happened before this but we're cutting just for time uh one is i don't even think we talked about the kenneth's plots uh but they're there are a couple of scenes, so they're over pretty quickly. But uh, one is Tracy is now living with Jen. Uh, Tracy is now living with Liz because he has been kicked out because of uh, the Deal Breakers book. And uh, Kenneth has decided instead of working 20 hours a day at work. No, no, he's only going to be working 20 he, I'm hours. Sorry, he's only going to be working 20 hours because he's volunteering at an animal shelter uh, as well as Big Brother. But not the Big Brother that you're thinking of, the one that spies on us. Um, and so meanwhile, we're, so they're back at Jack's office and he learns that now the, um, the meeting has been leaked to the press. Jonathan, call Don Geis's office and Les Winkler in corporate communications. Tell Susan Cunningham, Alan Junkin, Mark. Jack, what took you so long? Thanks, you son of a bitch. You know, revenge is a dish best served cold, Jack. Like sashimi or pizza. You prefer cold pizza? The morning after? It's the best. Better than hot pizza? That's insane. You don't tell me what kind of pizza to like. You don't tell me anything anymore, Jack. It was a year ago that you kicked me to the curb. I began plotting my revenge that very day. I knew that I had to align myself with something more powerful than GE. And since American Idol's not until January, that left the United States government. So I spent all last fall raising money, worming my way into the Obama's inner circle. Oh my God, Malia, he did not say that. Let's text him now. After the election, I could have had any ambassadorship I wanted, even to the world's gayest country, Ireland. Instead, I suggested that I take on this task force. See, I had you in my sights the whole time. Pew! What kind of gun was that? It's a laser gun. It's unstoppable. You listen to me, Banks. You keep your spray tan little hands off this company. Too late. Your testimony's gonna make headlines in every paper across the country tomorrow. But that wasn't a public hearing. Oops. Somebody must have weaked it. You did. 
You weaked it! Yeah, and I'm just getting started. By the time I'm done, you're gonna make AIG look like the Lehman Brothers of microwaves. You would destroy an entire company just to get me? Think of the pensions, the employees, the kittens we use to test microwave strength. Enjoy the view while you can, Jack. You'll be here for about three days tops. Well, that's all I'll need, Banks. You watch me. I'll make this company profitable so fast the only headline will be Donaghy saves GE, comma, marries your mom. See you in a couple days, Jack. Pew! Laser shield. I, I, I just... The story has funny moments and funny lines. Like, you don't get to tell me what kind of pizza to like. Is a, only Will Arnett could deliver that line. <laughs> but I don't understand the motives here. Like, two seasons ago... Devin wanted to run the company and he gets ousted and so now he just wants to take the company down at any cost just to spite Jack like that's mm-hmm. just, it just seems like it well, just seems so malicious and I, I mean I guess I mean, that's, that's his character. character he just wants revenge against Jack and you know. I don't know but I mean that I think that makes poor sense little to me. Kenneth out of work what's Kenneth gonna do I mean, I, Kenneth is a little peach I, I don't know I guess I buy that his character would be totally motivated by getting revenge against Jack like and he would do whatever he needs to do to do. But Jack hasn't that. done anything malicious to him. Mm, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he got. I mean, he orchestrated him getting knocked out of the company. So did he though? Like all he did was he did exactly what Devin told him to do. Devin fired him. Devin rehired him. So he'd have to be a mailman, and then he worked his way back up through the ranks. But wasn't then, it a thing with like with with it was a thing with Kathy? Because remember, it's like. It, he worked in a way where it's she did something or she signed something. Remember where it ended up that he would? Yeah, you're right. He had to. Oh, that's right. He signed. Well, no, the whole thing was Devin was going to marry Kathy. Um, so Kathy became the new board leader. Once Don Dice, Dice was, was right. Well, he was in, in the, the coma. coma. So then, yeah, Jack basically signed to be. The face, uh... Well, no, Kathy Guy signed that thing that made Jack the... Like, it, it was basically... It was, like, some special, like, what, yeah. like an advisor consultant. I mean, not exactly an advisor consultant, yeah. but some sort of, like, role Figure like that eye. that basically put him back in yeah, but charge so, of where he was. But, if yeah, but it seems like she fades away. She should have some... She'll, she should have some... I don't know. It's just, like, thinking about it too much, it's, like, it's not complicated to keep track of but it's just like i don't know i think it scans i just because, because like by why. signing that because by getting put in that position then that meant he got he, that meant he got back to where he was so devin was well i i can't remember i can't remember yeah, how he got like, fired out oh, wait didn't isn't that when he went like was crazy like running around the park and whatever so yeah that was that same episode yeah cause, like he was losing control of the company so it made yeah. sense he would be asked for that but again that wasn't anything jack did like that was literally his cause well because, no but jack basically snuck around to get back to his position you know I don't know. True. Plus, they just, yeah. plus the big storyline for whatever is that they just have this rivalry. I mean, right, right, I don't know. right. I, I don't know. I'm overthinking. I it. think it's hands. It, it's fine, but it's just like for someone to be that malicious and cost thousands of people their jobs just to get back at one person. It's just was well, it that or is that he just wants to be basically tell him what to do? And you know, I mean, is, is that he wants to kill G, or is it just that he wants to be over G? As well, the line, the, the line seems to be that at least Jack's thinking is he, Banks wants to destroy GE, or at least maybe well, no, put no, them no. in a position where he can. He right, I think he wants to destroy GE. Just, it, well, because he's like, that, you would cost well, thousands of people their jobs, their pensions, 
employee right, but in, takes over that. Seems to imply that he wants to shut down GE versus no, no. It'd be, I think, but no, it's because in his view, that's the the, the government having a say in how GE run is quote unquote destroying it. And I mean, I guess the government would probably have to what enforce layoffs or yeah, whatever. That's true. I don't know. They would probably like, definitely cut corporate the, spending, yeah. things like that. So probably money would be lost. I don't know. It just seems eh. it's the business side of the world that I don't fully understand. That I'm just like eh. that. It's my ignorance, but it still just seems like unnecessarily mean but that's the character so i guess it tracks fair enough uh but we come back to liz's uh apartment and there's a couple of phone calls and tracy is basically the secretary Tracy and Liz's residence. Tracy speaking. Tracy, it's Jenna. Is Liz there? It's Jenna from work. Jenna, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. What's going on? Night Stalkers has encountered some production speed bumps that are complicating my schedule. Well, I need you back by Friday. What kind of speed bumps? Well, Iceland appears to have a different sun than America because this one is not setting. Yeah, of course, because it's so far north. And you probably don't know this because you've never played a moonologist. But werewolves only come out at night. Yes, I remember that from the thriller video. Too soon. What is your plan, Jenna? Well, as it gets later in the year, the sun will start to set. I'm told tomorrow night we make it as much as a minute of darkness. Really? So you're going to shoot this movie one minute at a time just to punish me? Liz, I don't even know what you're talking about. What new cast member? Bye. No, you... What's wrong, Rumi? Well, two of my co-workers are driving me insane, so I'm going to kill them in their sleep tonight. <laughs> 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 Tracy and Liz's. Tracy speaking. Tracy, put lemon on. Hello. Okay. As a single woman, would you be more inclined to buy a new microwave if it could be programmed to ask you about your day? Before you answer, consider your loneliness. I'm hanging up now. That's there's a couple of fun things there. One is Jack is stress eating, so it's two seemingly two o'clock in the morning, and he's eating fast food. He's eating something seemingly not healthy for him, but also that. That line is something that's relatively going to come back in a later episode where uh, if you have something that would just ask you about how you remember the, the there's the channel that they explicitly create just for you to talk to. Mm-hmm. There's the cable, the premium cable channel that that's how he reboots the new cable industry is they literally just create channels for you to talk to and they ask about how your day is and it's just a, an attractive person talking to you. So he had an idea there. So it's going to come to fruition. Eventually, it'll pay off. So, movie her, kind of, yeah. I guess Spike Jones was inspired by Thirty Rock. Good job, Spike Jones. Now that we're all up, you want to talk about the elephant in the room? No, I don't. I don't even know why you brought that thing. I mean, the figurative elephant. Liz, I've been reading your book. Now I see why Angie's mad at me. If your man has seven cell phones but won't give you any of the numbers, that's a deal breaker? If your man owns a diamond necklace that says open marriage, that's a deal breaker. This Lemon, every little thing I've done is in here. You used me to write your book. What? No, maybe some of it is inspired by you. You stole my life. And you're going to pay for it. Really? You're going to make my life worse than it is right now? How? Oh. 
I'll take all of them. So coming off a, a late night, seemingly a sleepless night, Jack heads into the writer's room uh, to ask for their assistance in creating something better than the light bulb. Attention, creative types, brainstorming session. Let's try to stop mouth breathing for one minute. Um, what is this? It's an idea. An idea that started this company, changed the way we live, made this country great. Well, this is Dinesh Mehta. He's a design engineer from the microwave division. All Dinesh and I need from you is one idea that is as good as the light bulb. What? I have two days to make people buy a lot of microwaves. Well, it's kind of annoying when you're microwaving like a burrito and the burrito won't rotate because it's too big. It just gets you know, caught against the sides and the, the tray under it rotates, but it, it doesn't rotate. Okay. Bigger ovens, Americans like big. Yes, what else? What if microwaves broke down more easily so people would have to buy new ones more often? Yes, shoddier, excellent. Bigger and not as well made. Wow, that sounds exactly like the philosophy that almost destroyed the U.S. auto industry. This isn't the auto industry, Pete. The auto industry was run by a bunch of out-of-touch white guys selling consumers a product they didn't want. We're GE, damn it. And we're going to make a giant, flimsy microwave. So while the gentlemen are up in Jack's office doing their best to create the next best microwave, adding wheels to it, adding four doors to it, which does not make any sense to me. Like, is it four separate compartments? Of course. You can do four things at once. That's and a, just add a shelf. So an even better microwave. Add a shelf. Why do you need... That's Most microwaves have shelves, don't they? Or am I thinking of something else? Uh, I guess they do. Oh, I think it is like, I don't know, like four, four, four I mean, I guess, different, yeah, like... like yeah, you need to cook something for 30 seconds, yeah. one for a minute, 20, I guess. But that just seems dangerous. It doesn't matter. It's the best microwave since light bulb. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's all you're looking for. But we, meanwhile, we cut back to Iceland. And not only do we get to see Jenna's movie being shot, but we get the first appearance of the little recurring character of Sean, who's the director for the movie. Uh, we'll see him continuously struggle with nearly everybody on 30 Rock just trying to get a movie made. So, welcome to the show, Sean. Okay, it's go time. Are you ready? I'm in character and everything. All right, let's do this. The sun is setting. We get one shot at this. Action! Uh, Claire, I'm sorry. Which hand did I have the flashlight in when we were inside? The right. You had it in the right. Thank you. Cut! Oh, great day, everyone. You guys are the real stars. Horrible green screen going on. But... <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they couldn't afford to actually go to... Oh, no, of course. Well, they didn't have to go to Iceland, but they didn't have to go anywhere. They went to another room in 30 Rock. Yep, <laughs> just offstage. A little mediation with, with uh, Liz and Tracy on what to do regarding Liz seemingly stealing Tracy's life for her book. Uh, meanwhile, Jack lets her know that sometimes you have to take a step back, admit that you're wrong, and then take the next step forward. Thanks a lot, Jack. It's your only move, Lemon. Sometimes the way back up is down. Let me tell you a story. It's 1994. I went ice climbing and I fell into a crevasse. I hurt my leg and I couldn't climb back up. So fighting every natural instinct, doing the thing that seemed most awful to me, I climbed 
down into the darkness. And that's how I got out. And when I got back to base camp, I went and found my fellow climber, the one who had cut me loose after I fell. And I said, Connie Chung, you did the right thing. Thank you. Climb down, Lemon. Climb down. Hey, you're back. Yes. Night Stalkers is taking a brief, permanent hiatus. Well, maybe now we can talk. Jenna, I'm your friend, no matter what, and I will always have... Liz, I would really love to do this, but I have to go home for the day. Gotcha. So you're sticking with the passive-aggressive acting out? No, it's not acting out. I have mercury poisoning from obsessively taking my rectal temperature. As we near the end of the episode, uh, Liz just can't seem to get it together. Everyone's hating her for her new book, but she finds some bill. She finds a bill in her trash, uh, and has to approach Tracy, and then has the brilliant idea of what to do. She's so hey, Rumi, did you order pay-per-view at my apartment? I'm willing to go splitsies. No, I'm not paying for any of this. You ordered six adult movies in two days. The Curious Case of Benjamin Butt, lovely. I'm a do-us? What does that even mean? That's a pun on Amadeus, dummy. I will not be judged by you. You caused this whole fire roll. Until you're adequately debased, you will subsidize my predilection for erotica. Oh, yeah, and I used your credit card to buy a vocabulary course from the teaching company. So you're saying once you figure out how to get back at me, you and the dogs will leave my apartment? Affirmative. I have to climb down into the darkness. I know what you should do with my life rights. Pete, keep tours out of the studio for the next couple days. I need you to build a set that looks like my apartment and get all the hand sanitizer you can find. Wait, wait, why do you need... Tracy is producing a porno based on my life. And I'm writing it. Did you know that there's a 30 Rock porn parody? Yes, it exists. Yes. We'll talk about that a little bit. I didn't think it would end like this, Jonathan. Not with a bang, but with a whimper. A whimper indeed, Jack. I only came by to wish you luck on your new venture. What do you think that'll be? Selling fake weed to NYU students? Oh, have you know that Barry Diller and I are working on a whole new approach to media, combining all the digital... Gah! Just let me drink! See you around, Jack. Thanks for letting me be such a big part of you hitting rock bottom, huh? <laughs> Not yet, Banks. I can go lower, into the crevasse. What? You played this all wrong. You want to humiliate me? You want to destroy me? You should have walked in here with a check. Again, what? Sure, maybe you've ruined my career. Maybe you'll never see me again. But if you had forced me to take government bailout money, you'd be my boss. <gasps> oh, my. You'd have to come down to Washington. Report to me, like a little schoolboy. Your hand's sticky from candy. And the worst part is, I wouldn't even want the money. No, you wouldn't. Jack Donaghy taking welfare, it'd kill you. There's so many jobs at stake. You'd have to take it. I'd make you. I'd make you take it all. I'd roll over and let you give it to me. I'm honestly not trying to make this sound gay. No one is. It's just happening. One word to the president, and I own you. I own this office. I own that fancy little fellow outside. He'd kill me. But I do it for the company. Hey, Sasha, is your dad home? What? You have to invite everyone to your party, even Zach S. See, that's the part that I get hung up on 
what was the outcome of this? Right. It. So the way I read it is after his effort to build the new microwave fails, Jack realizes he has to do something to save the company. And at the end of the day, he will do whatever it takes to save the company, even if it means having to have Devin get the whatever bailout money out of yada. So he he commits the bailout. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. So what I read it is I mean because we know throughout so throughout the series running storyline is Jack will do anything for the company. So mm-hmm. this is showing that he's going into the crevasse. Like even though he doesn't want to do it, like he'll at the end of the day he will do what it takes to save the company. So he's okay. and at this point this is the only option left because he's not going to be selling all these new microwaves. So even though Devin's entire goal was for Jack to have the bailout. Now that Jack's admitted to he will do the bailout to save the company, Jack Devin is defeated. Even though no, they so I get what Devin wanted. No, right? Well, is it or I don't know what? Because no. here's here's the line that throws me is he says I'll do it I'll do it for the company, and then Devin says one call to the president and I will own you, and then he makes the call, and then he walks away like seemingly defeated. So my understanding was Devin won, but he won begrudgingly, even though that's yeah. what he set out to do. So it's like, is it because Jack isn't upset that he's now upset? Maybe. Like, I that never quite understood this this yeah. ending. I'm trying to think back to the committee meeting now because I mean, the, but the whole point of that going in was Jack was saying I'm not going to take ballot money, so it wasn't like Devin's goal. I mean, because when we were just saying, I was like, oh, was Devin's goal to like get him get the whole company shut down? But the reason why Jack goes is because it's a meeting about the government taking over and bailing them out. So how, I mean, I'm trying to think, so Larry, right, so he wouldn't have gone to that meeting thinking well, think that the would've... company would have been ended because, right? Right, I think, I think Jack's confidence was that any excuse I give will be enough for them to think we don't need a bailout and we're doing just fine. That was my thought process of why right. Jack was going to the committee or the committee anyway. But then he saw that Devin was there and Devin was well more uh, planned for it and was vindictive about it. So he's got a more driving force to to insist that GE gets the bailout, which is what happens because even this line is Jack saying, you'll... Um, you for if you force me to take the government bailout money, you would be my boss. You would own me. I'd have to do everything that you say. And then he, Devin follows, saying, "All I gotta do is make one phone call to the president, and that happens." And then he literally makes the phone call and walks away defeated. And I don't understand what the outcome and is. Go back. Does he walk away defeated? Well, I mean, yeah. Look at, like, look at. He's not happy. Why you oh, okay. So then, maybe it's because right, right. It's because the reason he's succeeding, but he's succeeding because Jack is giving in, not because he was able to forcefully just win. Win, right? Exactly. He he's he's winning, but it's only because Jack is saying, "Okay, this is what we have to do to save the company, so we'll do it." Yeah, I just I, I've never liked it because it's like it just it's not it's not complex or anything. It's just like the the emotions don't add up for me in that scene. Because the whole episode, Jack is fighting. I don't want the bell. I don't want the bell. I don't want the bell. And then one scene, all of that changes. It's not quite clear what happens. And then Devin walks away upset, although he shouldn't be upset because that's what he set out to do anyway, is to have GE be bailed out by the government. He mission accomplished, but because he did it with Jack willingly, 
he's upset about it. And it's just like, yeah. it, it doesn't, it just yeah, doesn't it's not the strongest it's not a great ending. Through line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to think, of, I think there, there's got to be some sort of payoff to all of that. I don't, I don't remember any big payoff of now that GE bail, is bailed out that I guess it kind of leads to the whole Cable Town buyout, but I think that's not, I mean, that's a couple of seasons away, so it's not anything immediate. And we'll just, we'll have to pay attention and, and, see if there is a through line but i don't think that there is but anyway we're all wrapped up and we're basically hitting the final notes of the story and then jack and liz are reflecting on the week that they've had everything good with tracy yeah i think so and jenna and frank and even subas and you i live to fight another day but at what cost oh boy i know the feeling what a week huh lemon it's wednesday but it's not all Bad news. My retainer. Now my dad won't be mad at me. Take it out, Lemon. You take it out, Donaghy! That's also a line from the porno. (gasps) JK, they never pull out. (laughs) Oh, dear. Anyway... Uh, we have one final scene um, that's basically the porno actors recreating that final scene but setting up for sex. Um, but um, in case you weren't aware, there was a real 30 Rock porn parody that came out around this time featuring the same actress that uh, plays Liz in this scene of 30 Rock played Liz in that porn parody as well as Sarah Palin in a bunch of porn parodies. So That's right. I remember there's that. some fun connections yeah. and all of that. Um, but while we were looking into that, I made the joke off mic to David. I bet they made a Parks and Recreation porno, and they did. And it is a horrible title because it's just the ugh, man. Porn titles are the laziest thing. Like I'm someone who loves puns, and they try to be just small spins on the original name. Porks and recreation. I get it. Porking is a term for fucking. Ha ha ha. Why wouldn't you go with parks and procreation? Because that makes more sense. But also procreation means pregnancy. Procreation means having sex to hope to get pregnant, not strictly pregnancy. Because you have to procreate. It's, that's not a good... Unless you're specifically... It's better than porks and recreation. Unless you're specifically porn-targeting people who have pregnancy fetishes. Maybe it's, it is. There were a couple storylines in Park Recreation and Pregnancy, so... Park Recreation is, too, is, is a little too mainstream, I think, to do it for niche, more niche fetish porn. I don't like it. Anyway, speaking of 30 Rock Parody, though, do you remember when Sesame Street... It was, it was around this time that they mm. especially did like a lot of like current TV parodies. Because I remember the, the 30 Rock one, it was just called like 30 Rocks, and like the little plot line was like something about counting rocks, obviously, because it's Sesame Street. But it was like... It was Liz Lemon, but it was like she was actually like a lemon. So it was it was actually it was pretty cute and clever. Cute. From, yeah, Sesame Street's yeah. really good. They've got good writers over there. Are they they owned yeah. by HBO now? Now they, they are partly them? funded, okay. or maybe even mostly funded now by HBO. Yeah, but it, it's still it, on PBS. Mm-hmm, yeah, HBO gets first window to air, and then it's like after X amount of time, then PBS. Yeah. But I mean, really, like it doesn't matter. Like it's not like Kids there's don't care. yeah, it's you know. So I, well, I, I specifically remember like people were like, oh, now you know, like people were kind of you know. Uh, about it like that HBO was having exclusive rights on it but 
in some cases I might understand, but in this case, because right, because it's a kid's show, if it airs, like it's not, for the most part, there's not like a timely aspect where if it airs now or three months later, kids are going to miss out on something. Kids aren't paying attention to any sort of story arc. Well, it's like, and also the lessons they're learning are like not, I mean, they're learning about counting and letters and numbers and Yeah, not story arcs, not all sorts of things. Through lines, none of that. They're not learning about any of that, so... They, I mean, how many times Overall, did you see I, the, I, yeah. the pinball, the one, two, three, four, five? How many times yeah. did you watch that as a kid yeah. and think, oh, I've seen this a thousand times? It's, no, like, I love this. I want to see it again. Please play it every episode. Yeah. Plus, so. I mean, right. And we're just not in a, in a place right now where things like public television are being adequately funded. So, like, if the choice is HBO back Sesame Street or no Sesame Street because they're cutting the funding, like, obviously, yeah. HBO back Sesame Street is, a, is still is not a possible. Plus. So, it's me. I, I mean... I can understand where it's not ideal. Like, yes, ideally, like if that could all be publicly funded, that would be awesome. But better to keep it afloat if it's still a beneficial program. Yeah, it's just weird that the government would would want to bail out companies. I mean, it makes well, sense because rather than back public broadcasting, mm-hmm. I get it. Because I mean, well, not one thing money. you're talking about in the financial crisis where lots of jobs are being lost True. and people think that. I mean, a few muppets going. Yeah. Askew, I mean, there are plenty of people who think that, loss. you know, if, if your philosophy is government shouldn't pay, should pay as little as possible, you know, blah, 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 then funding pro TV, state, blah, 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 all that stuff, like, you're going to want less spent there anyway. So, I mean, it's kind of a different... But no, it's it, it's it does make sense financially, but at the same time, it's yeah. just... Well, like, I mean, yes, personally, like I say, yes, it, all, I mean, lots of shows like this would be great. It helps educate children and yada, 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 yeah. but, you know... Yeah. As a compromise, it's better than it could be, which would be no Sesame Street. So. That's true. That would be awful. Those anyway. Muppets need work. Anyway, pitting from porn to Sesame Street and back to porn. Yeah, that's how we do it here. Everything good with Tracy? I think so. And Jenna, too, and Frank, and even Subas. And you? I live to fight another day. But at what cost? Boy, I know the feeling. What a week, huh? Lemon. It's Wednesday, but it's not all bad news. My retainer! How will I ever thank you? And cut! This is disgusting! Shut it down! That's some of the better porn acting I've seen, because, man, I don't know how much porn you've seen. It is not a judgment call, but woof! There are some really, really bad porn well, acting out Well, they're not there for their... I know, but they're wanting to eventually get out of that not industry. You don't know. I mean, maybe, but... You're right. That's a judgment call. I think most are doing that for the money to eventually move into real acting. So I guess you gotta, you gotta bust your chops somewhere. and Bust your chops. Not intentional. That's... Just fun wordplay. I don't know how much how much we want to talk about this, just because. Eh, but I mean, there's there's literally a porn parody for everything. Like any comic book movie now has a porn parody. Any Boom. TV show probably has a porn parody. Like Game of Thrones definitely had plenty of porn parodies. Um, I remember X Men had porn parodies out there. Just there's a ton. I just but it, it seems like I don't know. Like I remember when. Um, when Blu-ray or DVDs were coming out, that the porn industry was one of the first industries, even before movies, to hop into that. And that's what really helped DVD. That and The Matrix, basically, are what yeah. helped 
push DVDs yeah. to the mainstream. I mean, the porn industry has driven a lot of technological advances. Advances. Yeah. I mean, well, if you think back to Avenue Q, what's the line like in? Like even in like financial crises, the one profitable thing is mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean that's sort of true now with I think Pornhub and stuff like that. It's not as flush as you speak because people are now expecting like stuff for free and readily mm-hmm. available. So traditional companies, but I mean still I think in terms of I mean really driving a lot of four K and VR. I mean the, yeah. a lot of four K and VR stuff is going mm-hmm. to be first driven by oh, there's a ton of the four, porn industry. Like, yeah. uh, uh, VR stuff out there right yeah. now, which is like and I mean. It's, it's not, and that's obviously not in the mainstream yet. So it's, I mean, it's things like that where they just they're ahead of the game. Yeah, and I mean, really, they're directly influencing the the cultural development of it. Yeah, even though it's not necessarily itself totally mainstreamed. Yeah, but yeah. So good job. I think that's. I think, I think that's enough about yeah, the porn no, industry. I, yeah, I've got nothing against it. I go porn industry. Good job. What a so, metaphor. There are all sorts of crevasses entering in this episode. I thought we were done with the porn talk. Come on. I was talking about Liz and Jack. Get the end. Mm-hmm. Going down in the crevasse to, to... That's what I'm talking about, too. Anyway. Rimshot. Leave it there. Ah-ha! Uh, yeah, so that's Into the Crevasse, uh, second episode of season four. What are your thoughts on... But I, I still think this should have been the season opener, but anyway. Yeah, you're right. That's, from an narrative standpoint, it picked up more where it left off. But I like the Waldo joke. Oh, yeah. No, that was... There's a ton of the... I, I said it before. The Tracy throwing the book at Jenna, trying to hit Liz, calling her booger face is always funny to me. The, the plot line of Tracy and Liz living together should have been like a couple more episodes. That would have been so great. Um, Devin Banks, Will Arnett is always fantastic in that role so I'm glad we get to see him again um I think I, I know we'll see him again this season but I can't quite place when we'll see him again but he'll show back up um the Jenna's still acting out um because of the new cast character which again is like a one line thing because which could have made that uh, anyway her acting out could have been for a different reason rather than just being a new cast member being brought on so they could have made this the season premiere but they didn't and that's fine i'll get over it as we move along but no. can you believe this wasn't the season premiere can you believe it Ugh, just real missed opportunity guys anyway uh, no I, I i still think this episode's really solid uh we see more development for jack which uh, was desperately needed because we really hadn't seen him have to sacrifice anything for a really long time so so overall, I, I thought it was pretty decent. Like the the when you talked earlier about the kind of storyline, it's not really a storyline. It's basically a plot device to get the dogs into Liz's apartment. Yeah. But I mean, other than that, like I mean, the 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 Tracy, I, I think the Tracy storyline is probably the funniest part of the episode, um, and that's where all the best jokes came from. So yeah, that was good. The rest of it, makes, uh, I'd say that, and then the some of the Jen stuff was good too. The rest of it, like the the yeah, the Jack and Washington storyline was okay. But. Yeah, the more the more I broke it down, I just feel like it fell apart by the end in terms of what the motivations and emotions of everyone involved were, um, which doesn't take away from the whole, but it still is like, I still don't quite understand what they were trying to accomplish with that uh, through that storyline, but oh well. Um, but anyway, as always, thank you for joining us on Go To There. If you like what we're doing, rating, reviewing, all that fun stuff, it's going to be the best way to help us out. Uh, But we will see you next time in Season 4, Episode 3, Episode 61, entitled Stone Mountain, where Jack and Liz go on a fun little romp to Georgia to find the next cast member of TGS. David, take us out. See you next time. 